All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Perfect. Love it. And also a cool day. 2222. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with this. Mike, when the Montreal Canadiens hired Marty St. Louis a couple weeks back as their interim head coach, I said it was of no risk. And now I want to edit that statement and say that maybe it was of some risk in the sense that the Montreal Canadiens may play their way out of the lottery picture. I mean, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Three wins here, but the Montreal Canadiens look like a different team. They have what Marty St. Louis referred to after the game now as some swagger, some attitude. And it's not cockiness or or overconfidence or arrogance, anything like that. It's just confidence in, and you can see that in the way that Cole Caulfield is playing. You take a look at the numbers here for Cole Caulfield under Dominic Ducharme, 30 games, one goal under Marty St. Louis, six games, five goals. He looks more Mike, like the player that we thought we were going to see this season who came into the season leading as the Calder trophy favorite. What have you seen from Cole Caulfield that you like? 
I've seen him on the ice a lot more, Frank. I think that's first and foremost. Cole Caulfield before Marty St. Louis. I mean, he got sent down to the minors for a while, but was playing 14, 15 minutes. Now he's up into that 19, 20 minute mark during games. And it's given him the chance to grow back into the player that was seen last year in playoffs when he was so dynamic. The chemistry he had with Nick Suzuki last year seems to be back now. And now you factor in that top line of the Canadians. Josh Anderson's on the right side. They look energized, Frank, and they're making plays. And that's what I think if you're Cole Caulfield, you walk into the locker room and you see a head coach like Marty St. Louis that you can in some way see your reflection in the mirror. Somebody who's undersized, he's had to work for things. He has to find his own confidence in the game. And you can see the height comparisons. They're very similar in size, St. Louis and Caulfield. I just look at what Caulfield's done against some pretty big teams here, Frank. He scored against Toronto, against St. Louis, against Washington, scored one against Columbus as well. Not as good of a team, but those are good clubs. He's finding areas to get open again, and he looks like he's having fun. That's important. He doesn't look scared any longer. He's got chemistry going, and that being on the ice is what makes all the difference here, Frank. He's got his chemistry, and he's got his confidence back. Do you buy into the size factor that he can potentially relate to Marty St. Louis because they're similar in maybe stature and maybe even a little bit of playing style? I think so. I mean, there's not that many players of that size. It's something I've heard in the locker room previously that when you have somebody to really look up to that, you knows in your corner. He knows Marty St. Louis in his corner because St. Louis wants these players to improve and play better. I think it makes a difference, Frank. Interesting. Yeah. Another facet of the Montreal Canadiens big win over the Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday night was Jake Muzzin and his injury going down. Uh, just an unfortunate collision. Uh, clearly two players that didn't see each other and a scary sight for Jake Muzzin in that this is a guy you look at the clip here was just really coming off of a concussion. He came back to the lineup on February 10th after missing nearly a month out since January 15th after a hit against the St. Louis Blues. He talked about his lack of uh, confidence, his lack, or I guess I should say, uh, an introduction of some hesitancy in his game after the concussion. And now he's back and, you know, his play was a little bit shaky. Now goes down, remained in Montreal, did not travel with the team uh, to the U.S. as they continue their road trip and is going to remain under observation. So clearly some concern about Jake Muzzin and his health. But I think big picture for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the fact that Muzzin was already struggling a little bit with his play and now goes down again with another unpredictable head injury. We were just talking about the Leafs and their deadline plans and how they may have already addressed that with Ilya Labushkin. Do you feel like they need to go out and get more now? I can't help but think that Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't done looking for even more depth on the back end right now because this team in Toronto did not look the same when Jake Muzzin was out earlier this year. When you combine that with Hall being out for the short time frame, they were a mess defensively. And that's where they really need to have Muzzin in the lineup. And who knows? I mean, first and foremost, you worry about his health as a human being and as a person. Concussions are no joke. Any head injury, and especially in a short time frame, really just hoping that things go well for him. But yes, big picture here, the Leafs are going to need some help because you look at Lilgren, Sandine, Dermott, like these are not your shutdown defenders in the NHL that are going to really be able to play those hard minutes in front of the net. And we've seen what the Leafs look like 
without Muzzin previously. This is a team that's looking to play better defensively. They're looking for saves. They didn't get many from Razik last night. Campbell's had to do everything. They need an insulation blanket. I can't help but thinking that that forbidden door with the Montreal Canadiens might be wide open and Dubas is burning up phone lines for Sherrod. I just think that that would be such a good fit, but it's almost too obvious, Frank. Could you actually see something like that happening? Do you think they're looking for depth still? I do. I, I think it was a consideration even with the trade from Labushkin. I think it it sort of opened up the flexibility. Kyle Dubas talked about the number of bullets he had. They didn't really use any in trading for Labushkin. So now if Muzzin is indeed out and no one's hoping that he is, it, they will have some salary cap flexibility. $5.625 million is Muzzin's cap hit. They could potentially, if he misses a significant chunk of time, move him to LTIR and gain the flexibility to then go bring in a player, the flexibility that they otherwise would not have had. So this does open up some doors. I do think the Montreal Canadiens have been in direct conversation about Ben Chirot with the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last 48 to 72 hours pre-Muzzin injury. Um, I just don't know that the Leafs are willing to pay that price. Um, mm-hmm. Let's take a look at, at something else, Mike, that really grabbed the attention of people on social media, also grabbed the attention of the NHL's Hockey Operations Department, and that was Nathan McKinnon. And after this face-off, you can see he takes a swing, and it seems to be in the direction of an NHL linesman. Uh, clearly some frustration there from McKinnon, who wears his heart on his sleeve, the ultimate competitor. The NHL has taken a look at this, Mike, and they believe that if you look at it very closely, McKinnon is swinging his stick uh, towards the ice and not doesn't actually make contact with the linesman. The linesman doesn't react as if it makes contact with him. Do you buy it or sell it? Uh, I don't think he's intentionally trying to hit the linesman. I buy that. But what I don't buy is that you can be so out of control with your stick that you potentially come that close to whacking Michel Cormier, veteran linesman in the NHL. And so much of this is frustration based. It's a 5-1 game. The Bruins have just scored their fifth goal. The Avs are about to lose for the first time in regulation, what seems like forever. And McKinnon's frustrated. He just got out muscled on a faceoff by Tomas Nosek. And really even beyond the ramifications of him slashing an official potentially, I just think kind of big picture on this, you know, like we've seen this from McKinnon before where he comes to the bench and freaks out or he's on the ice and he can't control his emotion. And I don't buy that in playoffs. That's going to be the best course of action. And I, I love players that play to the edge. I love players that have passion in their game, but you've got to be able to control it in these types of moments. And when you show it going down five to one by Swinging your stick at Tomas Nosek for losing a faceoff? It's kind of a warning sign for me, Frank. I wouldn't want to see more, much more of that going forward if I'm Jared Bednar, the head coach of the Avalanche. I mean, Jared Bednar, I believe, has seen enough of it up close and personal. You mentioned that freak out on the bench. He's seen it up close. So, um, you know, I think to me, I, I'm concerned. I, I think you look at some of the other suspensions that have been handed out. Uh, I think it was Antoine Vermette a few years back. 10 game suspension suspension. for whacking the linesman on the shin pads. Um, I just don't think you even want to be close to that. You know, the NHL talks about setting the example. And you and I talked about this with uh, coach fines last week, the Mm $25,000 fines that have been handed out. You want to talk about setting an example for players after we just saw uh, a tier three junior player here in the U S in Massachusetts sucker punch a referee over the weekend gets a lifetime ban from the USPHL. I don't know that we want to see our highest profile stars even 
seeming like they're whacking in the linesman's direction. Just not a good look. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that's I was actually surprised that there wasn't any type of either. I didn't think a suspension was coming, but maybe a fine. I mean, there's been precedent. Steve Downey hit a guy, hit a linesman in the American League and got 20 games a few years ago, but not in the NHL. And I think it just came down to they decided this was not intentional. But you still have to be a control your stick, don't you? That's kind of my point on it. Agreed. So we mentioned today is Tuesday, February 22nd. So 2-2-2022. So that brought us to this. Who are your favorite duos in the National Hockey League this season? So, Mike, I want you to give me your favorite duo, and then I want you to give me your favorite duo that no one's talking about. All right. So my favorite duo so far this season is Kale McCarr and Devontae of the Colorado Avalanche. We seemingly keep talking about them. Well, why? They're the best team in the league, so no surprise. I can't believe that Devontae was traded for two second-round picks to the Colorado Avalanche. I'm sure Lou Lamarello would love to have Devontae at this point. Arbitration scared that off, made it happen. He gets the trade. Uh, I love the combination of players because five-on-five, five, they're so dynamic together. They've been on the ice for 26 goals for just 11 against. Taves and Makar, uh, and they're just, they're so good together, man. They're fun to watch. And then for one that no one's talking about, Caprizov's and Zuccarello. It started last season. These two have played 40 games together this year. Five on five, they've been on the ice for 36 goals. Now compare that to Marner and Matthews in Toronto, 26 goals in 36 games. That's how good Caprizov and Zuccarello have been. And when you factor in power play time together, 67 goals for, for the Wild with them on the ice. That's a dynamic duo. Who are your picks, Frank? So I've got Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen from the Carolina Hurricanes as my favorite duo to watch. They've combined for 23 goals where either Ajo has scored and Teravainen has gotten the primary assist or the other way around. Teravainen has scored and Ajo has gotten the primary assist. Just creative, in control at all times. They dominate play. And for me, the duo that people should be talking more about are Mackenzie Wieger and Aaron Ekblad. Ekblad has been so good this year. This guy is going to end up on my Norris Trophy ballot somewhere in the one to five slot. Don't know where it's going to be. Uh, Kale McCarr, your top, you're one of your top guys in your duo. He's probably going to be at number one. But Ekblad, 13 goals this year, 10 of them at even strength. So this pair gets the job done at even strength, but also they're really good in their own end. If you look at their underlying numbers, they're all in the 58 to 60% range in terms of Corsi scoring chances for high danger chances for goals for all those things, all those categories Uyghur, And he's also doing it on his offhand side. So could you imagine how strong the Florida Panthers would be? You don't want to break up this pair. That's how good they've been. But if you could slide him back to the right side, if you were to get a left shot defenseman, or if you get a right shot defenseman at the deadline, you can push Radko Gudis a little bit further down the lineup. I'm interested to see what the Florida Panthers do at the deadline. Quickly, Mike, because it is 2-2-2022, I've got two rapid fire questions for you. I think we can all agree Doug Harvey, seven-time Norris Trophy winner, is the best number two of all time. But I want to bring it to your generation that you grew up watching. Best number two, Al McInnes or Brian Leach? Oh, it's, I'm partial to Al McInnes. I mean, I grew up in St. Louis. I watched him. I know I'm American, so I'd say Brian Leach should be my horse. But no, number one, Al McInnes was unbelievable for the Blues, for the Flames. And man, he was also somebody who was important to my life, my coaching life, my youth hockey life. I'll go Al McInnes, uh, but that's a tough pick, Frank. Who, would you have the same feelings as myself? 
Um, I, I'm really torn. I think they're two yeah. pretty even careers, both multi-time NARS Trophy winners, both won one Stanley Cup, and the year they won the Cup were both the Conn Smythe winners. Uh, it's a good question. Now I have one other one for you. Yes or no answer, Duncan Keith, Hockey Hall of Famer. No. No? Multi-time Norris Trophy winner, three-time How many Stanley Norris's? Cup winner, two Conn Smythe two? winner. Two, I think two Norris's, yes. Two Norris's, How do I forget three that? Stanley Cups, and one Conn Smythe. He should be Not in the Hall of Famer. What am I thinking? He will be. He should have retired think, three years ago, and then I would have said absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's this time in Edmonton that's clouding you and everyone else. It is. It's just it's the the Oilers. They have that effect on people. All right, let's you get to uh, this week's edition of the Blue Paint, delivered by DoorDash. All right, Mike, it's time for another edition of The Blue Paint, delivered by DoorDash. Jake Ottinger is coming fresh off of an NHL third star of the week performance. He's taking control of the crease in Dallas. There's no question about that. What have you liked about Ottinger's game? And what does Ottinger's reemergence mean for Braden Holpe and a pretty crowded crease in Dallas? It is. It's not quite as crowded as it was at the start of the season when there was optimism Ben Bishop would be able to play. He will not. He's since announced retirement. But what I like about Ottinger is that he's taken his game and really controlled it, reined it in, realizes what he needs to do at the NHL level, level to be successful. Now, last season, he played 29 games for the Dallas Stars, had a 9-11 save percentage, played well. He was an emerging talent. The team thought he was mentally ready for last season. He's strong in that way. He, he doesn't get too high or low. He knows how to handle big moments, but his technical game wasn't quite there. So they sent him back to the American Hockey League this year to start the season. Played very well there with the Texas Stars. Comes up and keeps it rolling. And the key aspect to me is his record. Okay. I know he was very good in February at a couple of big games, 46 save win against Colorado Avalanche, 34 shot shutout against his childhood hero in Mark Andre Fleury that he also stopped all five in the break in the shootout for. But he is 15 and six on the season. And you compare that with Braden Holpe, who's nine, 10 and one in Dallas. And this team needs wins. I think if I'm Jim Nill, I'm very seriously considering moving Braden Holpe to recover assets because you still have Anton Hudobin available. He's been in Texas. They have some depth. And I think Holpe is a nice trade piece for a team that could be looking for somebody in that type of role. But Ottinger has been excellent this year. It is his crease moving forward in Dallas. Yeah, I made that point in our trade target story yesterday. I mean, you think about Holpe, how much if you trade him away, are your playoff chances really going to be impacted in that you can bring Hudobin up? Not a big cap change for you. And Ottinger is the guy anyway, clearly now and for the future. So let's move to the Anaheim Ducks. John Gibson hasn't looked right since All-Star weekend. The Ducks playoff chances have faltered as Gibson's game has gone. What's going wrong in Anaheim? Well, it's not just Gibson. Okay, let's preface this and say that the Ducks have not done a good job of protecting the slot area. They have not limited passes through the middle of the ice. But unfortunately, those are the things that John Gibson really struggles with. Lateral plays, east-west movement. They're things that I've diagnosed about his game previously that 
when the Ducks are playing well and they let Gibson face the shot and not have to worry about any lateral movement, backdoor passes, he's one of the best in the game at it. Great reactions, great athleticism, but he doesn't rotate well and he plays pretty far out of his net. And that's where he struggled. Okay. And lately, he hasn't faced a ton of shots. 20 shots, 20 shots, 27. He did face 41 against Edmonton recently and allowed seven in that game. It was a big blow up, but he's allowed 19 goals in the month of February, all since he played in the All-Star game in Vegas. I have to wonder, Frank, does Gibson stick around for this rebuild that's also in the middle of its infancy? He's got five years left on his deal. How much does he like it in Anaheim? Because it's been a long time of teams that can't defend in front of him. And he's starting to look tired to me. His body language hasn't been great. I'm curious if he remains a duck throughout the remainder of that contract. Yeah, I think he was so rejuvenated to start this year because he could feel like the team was moving in the right direction. You could see that reflected in his body language on the ice. I think that's got to be in it, you know, push aside the short term obligations that Pat Verbeek has as their new GM. That's got to be one pretty high up on the priority list is to make sure that you get in sync with John Gibson and make sure that you have complete buy-in. Connor Hellebuck is on another one of his heaters with the Winnipeg Jets. Talk about another team that's their playoff hopes are dangling by a thread at the moment. What have you seen from Connor Hellebuck in the last number of weeks since you see the stats here since February 7th? They're even better since February 1st, 931 save percentage. What's impressed you about his game? And is it enough? Can he singularly be enough in your mind to get the Jets to the playoffs? I don't think so. And I'm kind of bummed by that because, again, the Jets were my Stanley Cup pick for this year. And a lot of it hinged on Hellebuck. I like that the Jets sped up their blue line. They grabbed people that could move the puck. They got Dylan and Schmidt, and they're, they're trying to energize the entire team to play more upbeat. Well, they've also been more porous defensively, and Hellebuck hasn't been able to completely cover up for that. He's actually had a better season than it looks by the traditional numbers. He's at a 914 save percentage, which is not very far off his career totals. But you look at what he's done lately, 3-3-1. Three, three, and one, with a 9-2-9, you should have more wins with a 9-2-9. He has a shutout in the mix, but I think the biggest thing for Hellebuck is there just haven't been enough stolen games. He's been good, but he hasn't had those real statement moments where one goal against, two goals against, where your team goes out and grinds a game 2-1, to 3-2. to two. Winnipeg hasn't been winning those games this year. They've just been up and down and haven't been able to really string things together. They will need Connor Hellebuck to go on a courageous run. If they want to make the Stanley Cup playoffs, we're talking eight or 10 games of lights out goaltending. Again, Hellebuck's been good, but he's still got a little bit more. If he can bring that, maybe the Jets have a chance, but it's going to be a long shot at this point, Frank. So they need Hellebuck to channel a little bit of Hamburglar. I love that Andrew Hammond's back in the league so we can have a little more Hamburglar references in our game. This has been another edition of the Blue Paint delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes at the bottom of your screen. D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada. D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery from your first order from DoorDash. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. All right.
right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Use hashtag AskDFO on Twitter. We'd be happy to take your questions. Mike, uh, there's been lots of great stories in the NHL this season about fan interaction. Uh, you see all the time. Uh, Cam Talbot here. Uh, there's a goalie wearing his mask in Edmonton. Uh, you love to see this. Uh, just him handing over a stick and just so excited to see the look on the fan's face. Um, you know, clearly some personal interaction between Cam Talbot and this fan going back a number of years. Did you have any moments in your career that really stood out to you in terms of repeated fan interaction? Yeah, something really similar to this that I didn't even realize it until someone pointed it out to me. And it happened four years ago when I was with the Dallas Stars, someone from St. Lawrence University's campus, the Canton, New York area, where I went to school said, hey, you get to see Jordan again. And I went, huh? <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And dude, I went back in the archives. I was like, yeah, look at this. That's Jordan Greenway and myself. And that's probably at this point, 17 years ago, that picture that's right in the middle with the young Jordan Greenway and myself at St. Lawrence University when I played for the Skating Saints. And then the picture next to it is when I was with the Dallas Stars. He was in his rookie year with the Minnesota Wild, and it was full circle. Jordan Greenway from Canton, New York, who ended up at Boston University, played in the Olympics for the U.S. team, has gone on to an ice career, just signed that new contract with the Minnesota Wild. He was a huge Mike McKenna fan. Well, so I was going to say, so you didn't remember him, but clearly he remembered you. So when you, you ran into him in the NHL, what was that conversation like? I, you know, it was, it was kind of brief. It was one of those typical, uh, you know, after a morning skate or after a game things. I can't remember when we took the picture, but it was it was just fun. You know, we could rem we could both look back at time growing up in this tiny town where the only show was St. Lawrence. And, you know, it was just cool. I mean, it didn't last long, but it was really fun to make that connection. And and now it feels like I kind of have a vested interest in, in seeing him succeed. I just, you like seeing people from your past have that success. And I love the way he plays. He's a big part of that Minnesota team. Yeah, no doubt. That's a great story. Some great picks as well. Let's get to Tyler Uremchuk in our daily face-off show, daily bet segment. Tyler, how'd you do last night? Not good, Frank. I was red hot last week and then over the weekend and yesterday, not a lot. Uh, not a lot of hits going on here. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers were one of the teams that kind of screwed me over as they kept that game against Carolina real tight going into OT. And that's actually where I'm starting. So let's jump into it, courtesy of points. But the Blues on the puck line is where I'm going in this game. It's paying plus 120, and there's a bunch of reasons why I like this one. First off, St. Louis, 3-1-1 one, one in the month of February. They've covered the puck line in every single one of those victories. The Flyers are playing in in the second half of back-to-backs. They've been in this situation eight times this season. They only have two wins in those games as well. Blues have been covering, like I said, Flyers. They've been struggling on the year. They're not good in back-to-backs. St. Louis looked really, really good in that win over Toronto over the weekend as well. So I like the Blues to cover the puck line here, and I like the plus money payout. And I'm actually rolling with another plus money payout tonight, looking to win back some of the units we dropped yesterday. Kevin Fiala assist. I've gone to this three times this season and hit it twice, actually. And I think tonight is another really good spot. They don't seem to adjust the line considering how you know consistent Fiala has been in this mark. Seven of his last 10 games, three of his last five. So this thing's been hitting at a 70% clip over his last 10 games. That plus 130 payout is actually really good. The mini offense put up seven goals against Edmonton over the weekend tonight. They get to go up against Ottawa as well. So I think Minnesota can keep the offense going. 
And I like the chances of Pepin Fiala being a part of it. So Fiala assist plus 130. St. Louis puck line plus 120 are my two plays, Frank. All right. Best of luck to Tyler tonight. And Mike, that brings us to garbage time. What's gotten you fired up? What's caught in your, what's caught your attention from around the National Hockey League? Well, I'm only going to say this behind because I'm hiding behind a computer screen. Lighten up, Daryl. Yes, Mr. Sutter. I admire everything you do. And I'm actually a little secretly terrified of you. Uh, we've, we've had a past. We worked together previously with the, Cal- with the Calgary Flames. But you just won 10 straight games, man. You're right on the verge of getting to 10 straight games. Like, have some fun with it. You don't have to say it only matters in the playoffs. It's okay to smile. That's the only thing I worry about with the Flames is, can they keep this pace up? Daryl Sutter is hard to play for. Can they continue to find their own energy in the room, their own smiles in the room? Because if you're looking for bunnies and rainbows, it's not coming from behind the bench. It's all business. But it just reminded me of the movie Stripes where they say, lighten up, Francis. It's kind of what I thought of in this instance. Like, hey, dude, come on, man. Your team's good. Live in the moment a little. But I know it's not on brand for Daryl Sutter. So I totally get it. So here is Daryl Sutter's clip after the 10-game win streak by the Calgary Flames on Monday night. I don't put a whole lot into to 10 in a row unless they were uh, 10 in a row in the playoffs. See, I, I actually like it, Mike, because it, it actually is on brand. And I, I think there's a there's a part to Daryl that Daryl Sutter, that's, um, you know, to those who see him behind closed doors. He is such a loving and caring guy. Uh, he may come off with a gruff exterior, but, um, you know, he's probably excited that that team has won 10 games. But I can sure. tell you that. Everything that they've done this season, you know, since going back to training camp and the way that he first began talking about this season has been all about the playoffs. It's been all about how do we play a game that translates and correlates directly to the playoffs. And they're doing that. Look at this 10 game Mm -hmm. streak that they've been on. They've given up 15 goals in the 10 games in the month of February, two away from an absolutely perfect month, 12 games, 12 wins. They've got the jets and the wild standing in their way of that for a team that, you know, to your point, to Daryl's point seems pretty well prepared to play in the Stanley cup playoffs. They are. They've taken care of defense first, and now the offense is coming with it. And they've added Tyler Toffoli. And I don't think they're done when it comes to the deadline. So no doubt about it, the Flames are making a push, and it's all led by Daryl Sutter. They may not be done at the deadline, but we are done for today's show. That's all the time that we have. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. We'll be back right here, 12 noon Eastern time on Wednesday. Happy 2-2-22, everyone. Mike, great job. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.